Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a big show today. Great show today, which I'm predicting in advance which I rarely do, but we're going to do it today because Marcus Allen's going to join us at the bottom of the hour, one of his only radio appearances you'll hear all year long. I get him once or twice, and we get him at the bottom of the hour because he's going to be the Grand Marshal of the Pennzoil 400 for NASCAR at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Sunday, which is a really big deal in front of almost 200,000 people to have an opportunity to do that. If you count the infield, the staff, the drivers, the crowd, what that's going to mean, one of the greatest sporting events, largest attendance sporting events in the country, and Marcus will be the Grand Marshal. Excited to talk to him about that. We're brought to you by our good friends at PT's. Same family, same Golden Entertainment. They own the Laughlin Center, the entertainment center out there where there's great shows all the time on top of Arizona Charlie's and the Strat. But we tell everybody to head out there for Golden Night Games for the Golden Knights partnership at all those PT's taverns, best happy hour in town. That's 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Stop on off for PT's and get behind your Vegas Golden Knights. And now that they're playing, they got to keep winning and they got to get on a run here. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. So Marcus Allen at the bottom of the hour. Vinny Bonsignor live from the Combine at 105. And we're going to spend most of the time today talking about Josh McDaniels as he met the media for really the big first time outside of Nevada there at the Combine representing the Raiders. I watched it live on NFL Network. I saw the Raiders streamed it. So we'll get you all of those sound bites coming up here momentarily. The baseball lockout is real. Baseball is locked out. Don't know what to tell you to encourage you to think it's coming back. They got pretty close, but then they were far away again. I don't think the owners and the players are getting along at all. We're going to miss opening day in the first two series. And if they don't get back to the bargaining table pretty soon, we could lose a lot more baseball. We have sound from Rob Manford from yesterday, the commissioner of baseball, who I believe is tone deaf. I think the players want to get a deal done. I know the players love the fans. They're not players if they don't have fans. No one's going to watch. But they just can't get close on a few remaining topics. And we're going to lose more and more baseball here. LeBron and the Lakers are in a free-for-all. They're free-fall. They're they're collapsing as we speak. They are awful. They were getting beat by 21 last night. They came all the way back to take the lead just to give back the lead and lose at the end. The Lakers are an absolute mess. And the same storyline back at the Combine with these quarterbacks. Uh, Right now on NFL Network, the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are working on a short-term contract if he decides to remain with the team. So it says the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are working on a short-term contract. So the Packers must believe that Aaron Rodgers is open to this negotiation because they're doing it together, and we'll see if he stays with the team. I'll tell you, all this quarterback carousel talk is pretty good. But if nothing comes out of it, it's a waste of all of our time. It's an absolute waste of all of our time if some of these quarterbacks don't move. And in order, the biggest names are Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. We know that Deshaun Watson has legal problems he's trying to clear up. Russell Wilson seems like he'd like to go somewhere else with his 
entertaining wife, Sierra, but when push comes to shove, he's under contract, and Aaron Rodgers is still under contract with Green Bay, but he has a verbal agreement that he could go somewhere else if the sides fit, and they agree to terms. Rodgers has a a $46.7 million cap hit for the upcoming season. The contract is void if it's not signed by March 9th. Think of that. That's a pretty big deal. So Aaron Rodgers is working on a new contract extension that would make him the highest paid player in the league. If he doesn't get it because he's getting screwed around by the team and he walks, then that'll change the entire offseason. But most people believe he's going to stay in Green Bay. And then that brings us to Devontae Adams, who's on the Raiders' radar. The best wide receiver in football is also a free agent who will probably most likely get franchise tagged. And if he gets franchise tagged, he could still get traded. If he signs a new deal with the Packers, he'd probably be a Packer for life, along with Aaron Rodgers. So a lot of that is up in fronting and right in front of us right now. But we want to begin the show with Josh McDaniels, who had the opportunity to sit down for the, with the media for the first time as a head coach at the Combine. Now, typically, we would have played it all for you here, but it, it's, I was so frustrated. It's 2022. And they don't have microphones for the members of the press. It would have been great just to play this for 10 minutes. But they didn't have that ability in 2022. So you can hear the questions of the reporters there. So we'll go over some of these sound bites that just came in. We'll begin with Josh McDaniels talking about his staff building. They're not done yet as they put together a brand new coaching staff. The group on either side of the ball. Um, And so I think personalities are important. Experience is important. Um, Youthful ideas and uh, things like that are important, Um, you know, and room for growth. You know, I think we we try to consider all of those things as we try to put it together. And then not least of which is the opportunity to get them, you know, you know, and so uh, your familiarity with people is important as you try to put together a staff. Um, But you're certainly not going to have working knowledge of everybody that you that you hire and so we just the biggest word we continue to use is patience um, we feel like that's a virtue in this process in terms of trying to put together the right group of people uh, to work together and uh, I think we're we're well on our way to doing that yeah he seems pretty confident with the staff he knows some of the coaches he knows some of them from his years in the league but they're bringing in new coaches that he hasn't worked for in the past and he used that word patience a number of times and I'm okay with that when you're a brand new coach with a new team when you're a new coach with the new team, you don't want to start telling everybody how great you're going to be. You want to pump the brakes a bit and talk about maturity, how long it's going to take, being patient and all that, even though the Raider Nation is very hungry to build on the 10 wins that they're coming off last year. McDaniels talked about some of the Patriots staff members that he brought along to Vegas. Absolutely. Um, everybody, you know, I have great respect for Bill and, and that process and um, you know, uh, spoke to him directly multiple times about, you know, any interest that I had in people that were there, um, you know, and I'll keep those conversations private, but um, never want to do the wrong things relative to those things. Obviously, feel very fortunate that I had an opportunity to add a few people uh, that, I've, that I've worked with before, um, you know, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but, yeah, just, you know, try to do the right thing relative to communicating, you know, with him or any other coach, for that matter, if you're interested in somebody that works in their organization. That's a really important soundbite because Brian Flores, who's suing the league after being fired from Miami, he exposed Bill Belichick's text messages, and he hasn't spoken to him since. 
And I, I can't put words in Josh McDaniel's mouth, nor would I ever. But he's talking about staying and getting along with Bel Belichick still. Brian Flores, who was Belichick's defensive mind for a number of years, they don't get along anymore. At least it doesn't sound like they do. So if Josh McDaniels is going to take a Patriot coach away from Bill Belichick, they've had that conversation and those open lines of communication. More from the new head coach of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, on roster building, how he's constructing this new roster. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to you need to be able to uh, look at the whole year as an opportunity to improve your team. Uh, it's not just small windows in March or April. Um, there's opportunities, you know, in pro free agency. There's opportunities in the draft. There's opportunities after the draft with players that didn't get drafted. There's opportunities that are going to present themselves later on in the spring, the summer, um, you know, all the way through the course of the, the, the season, the trade deadline. So, um, you know, being patient and trying to develop your roster over time and taking a longer-term approach to it. Um, is something that we're going to try to do. Um, we know we have areas where we got to address them at some point, um, whether that's a, a frontline player or depth. And But we're no different than any other team at this point in time. Very detailed response from Josh McDaniels on building that roster and how it's a year-round process and how they have to do it in the summer. They have to do it in the spring. They have to put pieces together and then get that unit. It could take a while. And I agree with that. And there's going to be some players that stay, that come over, that he likes a lot. Now we get to the draft, where that's why he's there at the Combine. And they got to evaluate a lot of players because they, they have to be better at the draft at hitting on more players that are going to be productive in the league. He touched on that. I think you can factor that in. Um, you know, and, and the level of competition certainly is, is one of the factors you can consider. But I think the evaluation of the player is – is rather large you know there's a lot of things to consider um, and honestly you know there's there's certain players that may have a a level of experience against competition that's significant um, but every one of these guys that's coming out in the draft uh, that you're add to your football team are going to need to grow and improve and learn how to play at our level regardless of where they played college football so um, you know, we're, we're just going to try to sink our teeth into each guy, each opportunity to, to learn about them um, and digest that information as best we can and then make the best decisions we can possible. Yeah, I like what he said there. Again, all these sound bites are well thought out. There's a guy who's a servant, a genius when it comes to calling plays and being an offensive coordinator. Now, once again, he gets a chance to be the head coach and he's saying everything right about how they're going to evaluate these players. And remember, for them, it's position groups. They look at the tight ends, the linebackers, the corners. They're going to have different levels of players, the potential pro bowlers and the guys who are fighting to make the roster. And it's his job and Dave Ziegler to put players in the best position to succeed. And that's the toughest part about being a head coach. How do you construct a roster? How do you get the best players on the field at the right time? How do you keep them healthy? It's very difficult to do. Now, there's a lot of talk on the defense with Patrick Graham and if they're going to switch it up from a 4-3 to a 3-4. It just seems like it's nickel and dime packages, and they're going to play to the strength of the team and the core players that they have. That's his guideline as he goes forward and they put the game plans together. I think you do them both at the same time. Um, we'll, we'll try to teach our foundation and our terminology so that we understand the language. I think every, everything starts with what language are you going to speak. Um, and we'll teach everyone that together in the spring and um, or when, whenever we get that opportunity. Um, you know, but once we know the language and we're able to talk it uh, together, 
I think really the next thing we do is start putting, you know, putting things out there and, and trying them, you know, and, and figuring out what your players do well, what do they handle uh, the best. Um, and then if they do some things well and you add to it, if they do some things that you don't feel like we can make better, then maybe we move away from it. But uh, each year to me is really similar in terms of the approach overall. I don't think I've ever had one year copy the, the next, you know, as, as we've gone through my coaching career. Just try to evaluate the team that you're going to put together this year and see what they all do well together and then try to do it as many times as you can, you know. Understanding there's going to be challenges and obstacles uh, as we go forward, but that's going to be the plan as we head into spring here. Yeah, his core principles are really strong because he comes from New England and Bill Belichick. It's the Patriot way. It's worked. Mark Davis brought in two guys who have been very successful in that setup, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. He's looking for the same thing or something very similar when it comes to success. How do you take the Patriot way and take it to once a Raider, always a Raider, and have it gel together? And Josh McDaniels is a guy who was selected to do that. Uh, McDaniels talked about Derek Carr. Now, this is the biggest part of his conversation when asked, and you knew it was going to come. Is Carr going to be the quarterback? Where is Carr with the potential extension? No, no specific things relative to extending that at this point, uh, but that doesn't mean that's not going to change. Um, we are aware of where we're at on that in, in that process. I think we're just trying to get everything kind of set now in the building. Um, you know, our staff is obviously this has been a big chunk of this this first three or four weeks is trying to put the right people in in place here. Um, I've met and spoken to Derek a number of times now. Um, just trying to begin our relationship. I think it's really an important one. Uh, the head coach, the play caller, the quarterback, um, getting to know one another as people, kind of how we think, how we work. Uh, the football part of that will come later, uh, which I think is also an por important part of the, the, the puzzle. But um, really happy with the opportunity that I've had to get to know him. Um, he's there. Um, you know, he's there in Nevada. He stays there in Nevada. So um, we're aware of where things are. Everybody knows that Derek Carr is a workaholic. He's in the building all the time. He's working out. He's a man of faith. He's with his wife and kids. He is available. He is available to meet with the coach when they can, but there's a contract extension looming, and everybody knows that. And he's going to be asked that, Josh McDaniels, until Derek Carr has a press conference and he's announced as the long-term quarterback with the Raiders, which I and many people believe is coming shortly, but we have to wait and see. But Josh McDaniels knew that was going to be the biggest question asked at him, period. Nothing to do with prospects and a 3-4 or 4-3 defense. It's about Derek Carr getting a contract or not, and he seems to be on the page that they're going to work together. This was interesting as he commented on Alex Leatherwood, the Raiders' number one draft pick of last year who was moved from tackle to guard. Here's the Raiders' head coach. Playing as many games as he did as a rookie, um, there's good and there's bad. Uh, but when you're that young, uh, you look at it as what, what, can we, what, what can we work with, what can we fix. Uh, there's a lot to do. Uh, in that process. Uh, I've already spoken to him. Um, that process is underway. And I think what we'll end up doing is whatever's best for the Raiders, you know, he's shown the ability that to play, you know, in both spots. Um, you know, more guard last year than tackle, but um, we see him being a contributor. Uh, we see him being a guy that we're really excited to work with. Uh, we're going to try to get the most out of him. Yeah, if I'm Alex Leatherwood, I'd take that. I, I listened to that in a loop over and over again. 
And my takeaway is is that they're evaluating Leatherwood. There were some bad things that they saw. He was available. That's what I like about him. He wasn't in the training room all the time. He was able to play, but they got to fix him. He's a high draft pick. They're going to evaluate him. He's not a, not a Ziegler guy. He's not a McDaniels guy. Leatherwood was brought in by the past GM and head coach. He's going to have to prove himself to this new regime. So I would assume that Alex Leatherwood's going to be in great shape. He's going through some tremendous personal training. He's going to hit the ground running because if not with these guys, he won't be around. Won't be around depending on whatever his draft status was. He's got to get better. And last one on this is the Raiders are playing in the Hall of Fame game. Nice connection to Josh McDaniels, but they'll have to start camp a week early. I think there's a lot of benefits to this game for us. Um, you know, the, the, num- the number one thing is really to have an opportunity to, to be with our players and to, you know, to, to get them in there and really try to take our time and go through the process of building our football team and our foundation this, this summer together. Um, have a couple extra days to do that. I know it doesn't sound like much, but um, to us, I think it's a great opportunity, uh, especially as we're starting this year together. Um, and, and to be able to go there uh, back home, you know, uh, in Canton, Ohio, I've been in the NFL. It's my 22nd year, and I've never had the privilege of coaching in that game. So um, very lucky uh, to have that opportunity to go back home and uh, to put our football team in that position to try to learn and, and grow early in camp um, and to go out there and, and, and play the exhibition game there. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, and I think our organization will too. Zad, he's never coached in the Hall of Fame game, 22 years. Now, a lot of Patriots are going to be coming in in Hall of Fame classes to come, but still really surprised by that. So you can tell that the Raiders are going to get a little extra work in as they compare for, uh, prepare for Cliff Branch, Richard Seymour, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame coming up in August. This thing's going to jump on us all pretty quick, everybody. We've got the NFL draft right around the corner, and then we'll have a little bit of an offseason, and then it jumps right back in again. But Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to be very busy as they finish putting the finishing touches on this coaching staff, they get to know the players, build the roster, tear down some of it, rebuild it again. This is a full-time job. Head coach is the toughest of the full-time jobs because it demands the most amount of time. But I have a feeling McDaniels comes from that work ethic, which is tiresome work ethic, work all day, late into the night and fix this. And the Raiders don't have that many holes. They won 10 games last year. But they got to get better in a couple of position groups, and that's the guy who's going to do it. What do you think of Josh McDaniels today? This is a topic Raider fans got to jump on right now, 702-365-9200. This was his first appearance since he was introduced by Mark Davis in the Henderson facility with Dave Ziegler. This was the first time he was on his own as a coach at the Combine. How do you think he did? 702-365-9200. There's a lot of Raider fans who stream that live on their mobile device, a lot of Raider fans who saw it on their laptop. What'd you think? Do, do you felt? I, I saw the comments were really good. A lot of people had positive comments to say about this for Josh McDaniels. We'll have new sound coming up from the Raiders digital team as they're on the ground in Indianapolis. But today we want to hear from you when I have a window before Marcus Allen's going to join us here in about 10 minutes, 702-365-9200. The other news out of the combine is the Arizona Cardinals. Extended head coach Cliff Kingsbury and general manager Steve Keim through the 2027 season. The team announced that there. The news came as the Cardinals are in a public negotiation with their star quarterback, Kyler Murray. 
So if you look at everybody who's getting signed, the head coach and the GM just got a deal. How about the quarterback? And That's probably what's bothering Kyler Murray the most. It might have been leaked to his agent that they're about to extend the GM and the head coach, and he needs an extension. So he hasn't been stable as of late. Kyler Murray is different. He's saying different things. He's acting differently. And you got to believe it's all because of the money. It's all because of the money. And then there's a lot of talk about the other quarterbacks. Last night on my show, late night show, we talked about the replacement in Pittsburgh. Is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo in Pittsburgh? Could it be Carson Wentz? Who are the quarterbacks that could go to Pittsburgh and set up that franchise for years to come? We'll see what happens there. And Pete Carroll said they have no intention of trading Russell Wilson, at least for now, according to Pete Carroll. After Wilson said in an interview today with the Today Show on Tuesday that he loves Seattle and it's great, Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll said at the scouting combine today that the team doesn't intend to trade him. Carroll did note that general manager John Schneider is open to discussing anyone on the roster, including the team's top players. So you often hear that from everybody. We're not going to trade him, but we'll take your phone calls. And at this time, there's conversation about everybody. We're talking about everybody, Pete Carroll said. Look, the day Russell Wilson gets traded away from Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll's on his way out in Seattle, and Seattle's going to have to start some type of rebuild. Some type of rebuild somewhere, somehow. So that's the monologue as we open up the show brought to you by Remy Martin. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. We have Remy Martin brands in all the major casino properties. Whenever you head into a Remy, ask for the VSOP, ask for a sidecar, got some extra bucks, a shot of Louie, Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Marcus Allen's going to join us coming up here as he was named the Grand Marshal of the Pennzoil 400. How cool is that? Marcus, one of the greatest football players of all time, one of the deepest resumes in NFL history and college football history. We'll fit your phone calls in on Josh McDaniels. We're not going to grade him. Why should we? But we want to know how impressed you were with his comments and his media session at the Combine. So there's always going to be rumors when you a new regime coming in, and you got a quarterback who's entering the final year of his deal. Can you say definitively, barring injury, Derek Carr's your starting quarterback week one? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I really am excited about this opportunity to work together. Um, I know what he's done, and and I and I know what we might be able to do going forward together, and that's what really excites me. Uh, looking forward to to building that process. Uh, as we go into April, May, June, July, uh, and continue to grow together. Uh, it's really an important relationship, the head coach, the quarterback, the play caller, the quarterback. Um, there's got to be a synergy there, and I believe that, that we're on our way to doing that. That's pretty impressive. If you're a Derek Carr fan, I don't know what more you can expect other than that. Tom Pelissero asked that question, and that answer came back firm from Josh McDaniels on the future of Derek Carr. JT, back with you, brought to you by Resorts World. Everything, including the Doghouse Saloon inside, the great restaurants, the pool, the nightclub. Whenever I take uh, people to Resorts World, they are blown away. Uh, it's brand new. It's the most expensive casino in the world, all of that. But we help bring locals in 
who go to shows, go to get appetizers, go to get drinks, goes to the Gatsby Lounge, whatever it is, you're going to love it. Scott Sabella's vision of sports inside Doghouse at Resorts World. We're waiting on Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen will join us in about five minutes. The great Marcus Allen. How cool is that? We'll have him exclusively coming up here in a little bit. Uh, We'll get your phone calls mixed in also as we continue. NorCal Raider, start us off here. We appreciate you calling the flagship. He is gone. Beautiful way to start a radio show. Gangster Raider, let's get you going. How are you? Thanks for calling. (laughs) What's up, JT? How you doing? I would have been calling in. I thought you was on vacation too, like the morning show. Uh, how, how would you think? How would you think I'm on the vac- on vacation? I should have known. I'm like JT. Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm on vacation <laughs> tomorrow, though. Yeah, on vacation tomorrow. Thank you. Okay. Well, I just really called to uh, wish my guy, Passionate Raider, today's his birthday. I want to give him a happy silver and black birthday because you know I met him when I was out there mm-hmm. for on um, one of the Raider games, and he's a real cool dude. We hung out and everything, and I told you that's my Raider buddy for life. And today is birthday, so I want to give him a happy silver and black birthday. And I want to tell everybody that we on the uptick. We on our way back. The whole Raider Nation, relax. Don't worry about anything. Just let the new regime do what it do. And we're going to continue. I, be, I think we're going to build and we're going to be a perennial playoff team. And the Super Bowl number four is coming. That's all I wanted to say, JT. Have a great show and celebrate life. I know you know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? Let me give a good Raiders for my guy, passionate Raider. Raiders! Raider Nation, appreciate, stand up. Pre- I'm out of here. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. So, excited for this. Marcus Allen is one of the greatest football players of all time. He was announced earlier this week. He'll be the Grand Marshal at the Pennzoil 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. How great is that? And we welcome him to his flagship Raider Nation Radio. Marcus, thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate you coming on. And is this your first time as a Grand Marshal, or have you did this back in the day? How are you? No, it's my first time, so I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. Looking forward to it. Oh, this is going to be incredible. I mean, Marcus, you've been in front of big crowds before, but there is nothing like the speed, NASCAR, and especially, you know, the time you're going to get before the race, before drivers start your engine to meet the drivers and meet the fans. How much are you looking forward to this? Well, first of all, I love people, and I'm looking forward to uh, being out there on Sunday. I know it's uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. I know uh, a lot of race fans and football fans, too, so it's going to be, I think, fantastic. Uh, It's just great for Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm happy you said that, Marcus, because it's really, for me, when I got into NASCAR and the Daytona 500, it was what kept me going after Raider season and what got me through the off season, because so many race fans, as you said, are, are NFL fans and they just like the excitement of being at live events. And you travel all over the country. What's it been like now interacting as masks are coming off, you're getting on airplanes, you do a lot of public speaking and you have events like this where you can interact with fans. Uh, finally, yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, <laughs> You know, it, it really depends on where you, you know, what part of the country you're in. I'm, you know, down in Georgia. We weren't as, uh, you know, restrictive as some other places and stuff. So um, I've always sort of interacted with people. Uh, I just never believed in, you know, no matter what we're faced with and uh, avoiding, you know, our fellow man. And that's when we actually should, uh, you know, get together and, and, and support each other more than ever uh, when we're faced with such uh, uncertainty. 
Marcus Allen is kind enough to join us. Marcus, a lot's been happening. I want to talk about football in general before we get back to what you're going to be doing at this NASCAR race. It's been an amazing time for the Raiders, not only Vegas, but the Hall of Fame. Coach Madden passed away. Your coach, Coach Flores, got into the Hall of Fame. I was with you there for that. And then one of your all-time great friends, Cliff Branch, got the nod. What was it like when you got the news about Cliff when you were in L.A. for the Super Bowl? Well, I was, I was extremely happy uh, and disappointed at the same time because I wished that he obviously would be alive to uh, enjoy this moment, you know, and I felt it should have happened um, a couple years ago, but it didn't, and it is happening. Uh, I will be there. Um, you know, I love Cliff like a brother. You know, he... I don't know if you know the story We're you know, we're supposed to be cousins. Right. And I didn't find out later until, um, <laughs> our playing days were over with Cliff. Uh, and my dad always talked and my dad said, listen, I think we're related. And Cliff said, um, let me do some research. Cliff did some research and came back and said, guess what? We are related. You know, had he branches the connection, uh, in taxes and stuff. And so, you know, he turned out, you know, not only to be my, you know, my, my roommate, uh, my rookie season, who I learned a lot from, we later find out that we're related. So I think nothing happens by accident. We were supposed to be together to eventually find out that reality. That is incredible. I mean, I believe in fate. And I, what was that like, Marcus, as roommates? Was there some type of vibe that you had, something special with Cliff Branch and he had for you, and then you start putting the pieces together and the DNA's it's something in common? That's a remarkable story. It, it uh, it was instant, you know what I mean. We just yeah. uh, Cliff was just, you know, it, we, he was he was old school, and 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 yet he was, you know, he was always accessible. And matter of fact, I mean, really sort of took me under my wing and nurtured me, really gave me confidence. I mean, Cliff would always say, "Greatness, greatness." Even as a rookie, he would say that, right? And uh, that's how he would get my attention and stuff. I mean, so he had a lot of nicknames for me, but that was one of them, you know. So he always he had a way about building up my confidence and really giving me, uh, I think, the platform and the foundation to go out there and play. I mean, obviously, as a rookie, and you come in, you you know, your attitude should be, you know, respect all, fear none. But he certainly. Uh, you know, uh, as far as older players are concerned, I always had that respect. But get, Cliff really gave me fear nobody, Marcus. Go out there. You, you're capable. You're, you know, you're an incredible athlete. Just go out there and play. And that's what Cliff did every single day, elevated me by his words and by his actions and stuff. And so you talk about the Hall of Fame and Cliff Branch, you know, going into it. I, I'm, you know, I feel like about damn time. Yeah, and Marcus Allen joins us. You know, Marcus, it's with the Raiders, and you have other teammates with Kansas City and other Hall of Famers that have to go on this journey and wait so long. And I just look back on Coach Madden's life when they did the documentary, and it was like he disappeared after 20 years. They forgot about him at the Hall of Fame. Then he gets in. We're both together at Coach Flores's. At one point, he's in a wheelchair. They made him wait that long, but he was such a beautiful spirit at that event. Ken Stabler yes, passed were. away. Ken Stabler passed away before he got in, and then Cliff passed away. Just amazing that some have to wait so long on their journey when they're Hall of Famers. And I know that you were very passionate behind the scenes about Cliff Branch, your roommate, finally getting inducted. Well, let me tell you, I, I mean, I believe, you know, I, I believe in being fair, you know, and mm -hmm. 
And there's a lot of uh, guys that are really, really deserving that may have played in the 70s that don't get the opportunity because they get overwhelmed by the numbers of today, by social media and all these other things, these external factors, instead of just looking at them as a football player. And at that particular time, when they only threw you know, the ball an average of 15 or 20 times a game and to put up 500 and something receiving yards and, and still to be number four all time in, uh, you know, post-seeding, you know, season yardage uh, leading. I mean, it, it's really incredible, you know what I mean? And But then you have to look at their guys that are in the hall, right, that have similar numbers, and you don't understand why. Why is it taking so long, right? And then you look at Cliff and his performance at the, you know, in Super Bowls, you know. I mean, he could have been the MVP in the Eagles uh, Super Bowl. You know, he had two touchdowns. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, Cliff has been phenomenal. He just been he, he, he yeah. and then he had a you know touchdown against the, the the Redskins and stuff. So as far as postseason and regular season and changing the game and you know really sort of you know that that small wide receiver that backed off those big guys and they were scared to death when he was out there. Um, Cliff was a game changer. Certainly made the game easier for me. Absolutely, Marcus Allen joins us. He'll be the Grand Marshal of the Pennzoil 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway coming up this Sunday. As long as I've known you, I don't think I've ever asked you this because the NFL is at the Combine this week. And as you come out of college, a national champion, the Heisman Trophy winner, Walter Camp, unanimous All-American, you're taken in the first round in 82, the number 10 pick overall. I've never asked you, how, how did you drop to 10? <laughs> Looking back at the mistakes that the nine teams made before you, can you give me a, a quick backstory of what you were thinking at the time? And did you think you were going to go higher? Did you think another team was going to draft you before you went number 10? Well, I thought I was the best uh, player in the draft. Yet, you know, other teams have obviously needs and, 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 and maybe felt differently and stuff. What, what I didn't understand was, I mean, if you call yourself a scout, you would actually say, okay, this guy's only played uh, running back for really two years he's going to get better and better, right? But uh, they, they all thought, and, and nobody really did their research other than the Raiders and, and a few other teams that got calls from, um, during, on draft day. Um, few teams, I mean, if, I mean, if you're really good at what you do, you would have, you know, you would have recognized that. And then that, um, I mean, not only I, I, was a, I was smart, I was a good athlete, and, um, certainly productive, but everybody sort of fell in line with, oh, it's the USC line is the only reason. And I thought that was kind of crazy, but that's what most people thought. So they thought I would be just an average back. And I knew different. I, I was really in my empathy of, 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 of running back. Right. You know, I mean, people don't understand. You know, some guys have been playing running backs their whole year. I mean, their whole whole life. And I I just started playing two years ago. And that's because of your high school playing quarterback and yeah, your athletic ability with then that. I, you know, then I went there at the, uh, USC as a defensive back, and then uh, I stayed over there for a minute. Uh, everybody got hurt uh, behind Charles White, so they asked me to come over. They need somebody to practice, and so I practiced a little bit, but I barely played, so I just saw myself as a special teams player my freshman year. And then Coach Robinson comes to me and said, Marcus, you're too good an athlete to sit on the bench. Would you – Mind playing fullback. Now, that's a completely different, you know, story. That's a journey uh, unto itself. That is, you know, that is, that is not running the ball. That is a study in survival. 
<laughs> Especially Absolutely. if you're weighing 180 something, right? Taking on guys that are weighing 250, it's a big difference, right? So fullback is not playing running back. Yes, you do carry the ball. Yes, you do learn a little bit. But when you're actually, um, you know, eight yards deep instead of you know, I guess four yards deep, it's a little, it's a little different. Marcus Allen joins us. So when you mentor young running backs, if a young running back comes up to you and you hear today in the NFL, well, we don't need to get a back early. We can get any back in the second or third round, and they're, they're not going to make it past their rookie contract anyway because of the wear and tear. What do you say to these young backs? Because it's completely changed in the era that you played in and even after you, and now I think the running back position is discounted more and more, and the league thinks we can get a running back at any time. Well, I, I think that's why you have to be really versatile and be able to do so many things that you make yourself uh, not expendable. Mm-hmm. You know, make them. You know, you can't. We can't do without this guy because he's able. He can do everything. He's good at everything, right? And so instead of going out getting somebody, uh, you know, to do this job or that job, we got a guy that can do all four better than anybody else. I mean, that's what you have to do. You got to be really versatile. Um, and two, I think you just got to really understand. Be a great understander of football. I mean, just sort of uh, understand the essence of the game. You got to understand schemes. You got to know it's not just running the daylight. Uh, it's so much easier when you know how the play is supposed to develop, and then you can obviously do all the things that just you know. That you, hopefully, your God-given ability uh, is you know. Um, but I, I think you got to be extremely smart too at that position. Um, I mean, there's and there's there's certain things you just can't teach about running back. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were to ask me uh, what the hell I was doing, the honest answer would I don't know. I just did it, you know. Yeah. And if you have a guy tells you <laughs> that tells you, well, uh, uh, I was thinking about this, I was thinking about that. He's full of it, dude. Don't <laughs> you you don't think it just it, it's reaction and it happens. And most of the time, you're even amazed at what you just did. You know, Marcus, when I saw you at Tom Flores' Hall of Fame party, the party, and I introduced you, and you talked about Coach Flores, let you do. He was the first back to let you do what you wanted to do. That really moved me that you had a coach. Can you expound on that where he just looked at you and said to you, do what you do so you could find the success that you found in the NFL? What was that like? Well, there was was a couple of things. There was um, – I met Coach Flores – at the uh, the first and last Olympic gold bowl in San Diego. That was an all-star bowl game that they had. Um, it lasted one year, and then it was it was over. But he was my coach there, and I think I just made one play coming out of the backfield, and I dove for it. I don't know, a long reception. It was a wheel route up the sidelines, and I dove and caught the ball, and I think I was really drafted based on that. So one, uh, and he, you know, he got to know me personally while I was there, so Obviously, uh, you know, getting drafted by them, he liked what he saw and he liked who, you know, the, the person that I was. And so I always had this, um, this fondness for Tom because he believed in me, right? And, and so, but it was also another coach, too, uh, and, and his name was Ray Wilsey, and very few people remember uh, Ray. Um, but Ray was in a, um, a, def- a, a rather a running back coach by trade. He was really sort of, a, you know, come from the defensive side of the ball, I think. And and so I think he never tried to sort of, you know, um, try to, you know, steer me one way or the other about running. It, and, and it was because I think he was pretty brilliant and he saw that I could play. And he says, well, I'm just going to get out of his way 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that he has total freedom in the way he plays the game. Because he never told me, you know, he never used the word don't. He didn't say, Marcus, don't do this, don't do that, don't don't reverse field. He didn't. T- he never told me that stuff. He says, Marcus, now you can do all those things. Just make sure. Just make sure you know the down and distance. Make sure you know the situation of the game. You know, he said, just make sure. So I never looked over my shoulder while I was playing, and then I also knew that Coach Flores had complete faith in me, right? Because he sort of switched things around when I got there. I don't think prior to me getting there, I don't think the I may be wrong, but uh, the, the Raiders were a uh, an eye formation team. They were really a far left, far right team. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, you know, he sort of, you know, we started, um, you know, start putting more eye formation. And so, I mean, which was right up my alley out of USC. I mean, I felt like I can do anything. I can go, you know, from far left to far right, or you can put me in in the slot. You can do a lot of different things with me. So I felt like, you know, very very comfortable. But he, he really put me, you know, in my comfort zone by switching that, you know, that formation that I had been, you know, um, grown accustomed to the last years. So then I knew, I mean, I just knew that he had so much faith in me and stuff. And so I always wanted to reward Tom for, for you know, his, his faith in me. And then I just, you know, I, I loved him as a person and stuff. He's a great, great guy, yeah. great coach. And then again, there was somebody else that, that I just believed. Like, why isn't Tom in the Hall of Fame? Right? You got you got guys in the Hall of Fame with one, one Super Bowl. Absolutely, Ooh, we're wrapping it up with yeah, we're wrapping it up with Hall of Famer Marcus Allen. Very generous with this time. The only player to have won the Heisman Trophy, an NCAA national championship, the Super Bowl, the NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, College Football Hall of Famer, what, and Pro what Football you Hall always, of Fame. You guys always miss Rookie of the Year. I got it. I, I got to throw no, rookie of the it. year in there. Yeah. Wow. I got it yeah, all. You know, you got to say that. You got to say because you only have one year to get that award. You got to get it that year. That's the year you got. You got that's the year you, 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 you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> you can't you don't have a your sophomore year and get the rookie of the year. Absolutely. Now. Hey, what do you think of SC and Lincoln Riley? I got a son at Oklahoma. He gets ripped out of Oklahoma. That's that's another story when I see you in person with Jamie. But what do you think? Of, <laughs> what do you think of Lincoln Riley now and what he's doing at SC and the level of players he's getting again? Well, I got a chance to meet him and uh, we'll talk to him on the phone and congratulated him to get in the job. And then we talked about just a few things. I never really tried to push my, you know, sort of thoughts, my expectation on things, but I just wanted to welcome him, welcome him to the university and told him we were excited to have him. And then I actually went up to uh, USC during the, uh, the week of the Super Bowl and um, had a chance to meet him in person. And it, it was just a, just got this great sense of um, they're in great hands. Uh, I think from a from a there, there's a plan there that's that's in place. Um, you know, they're not just sort of you know you know randomly choosing this or that or trying to you know throw stuff on the dartboard. I mean, there's a plan in place to rebuild that program, and I mean it's already started with all the uh, the transfers and stuff. But uh, as far as recruiting, I, I don't I don't think we're going to lose a lot of kids in our neighborhood anymore, um, or out of Southern California. I think we're going to get a lot of kids to stay home. Um, I was just very confident in the things that he had to say, and I believe that uh, he's the right man for the job. Excellent. Marcus, last one with your schedule, your foundation, your charity work. 
the invitations you get to go around the country to Reggie Jackson's event or if it's another Hall of Famer. How do you manage that schedule when you think of your philanthropy and what you want to do with charity work and how to laser point that so you can do the most with the limited time you have? Well, it's really simple. Um, good people attract uh, good people, I think, you know. And, and, and most of these guys are my friends. So we're sort of like like-minded people. I've known Reggie forever, and I've always respected him. Uh, and what he's done, um, certainly on the field, and uh, he's done a tremendous uh, amount off the field. And, um, you know, he supports my event. You know, for example, Ronnie Lott, uh, obviously, you know, like a, like a brother to me. You know, his, Ronnie's been involved in charity for a long time. So we're a bunch of guys that believe you're rich by what you give and poor by what you keep. We like to give back. But you, you, you very seldom, or you, I mean, really not at all. I mean, you go to uh, events that really are hosted by good people. Fantastic, that's, Marcus. That's you were it. very. I mean, yeah. yeah, these are great guys, people. Uh, guys don't show up for bad people. That's for sure, and you're one of the best. You're going to have a blast at the Pennzoil 400. It's going to be a bucket list for you when you come out of that. The adrenaline when you get that crowd going and seeing that many people. And the, the loud engines and the race and the excitement and all the kids that you're going to be able to shake hands with. Thanks for doing this, Marcus. It's a big event. Thanks for cutting out some time for me. Really appreciate our friendship. Anytime, bro. You got it. Thank you. Marcus Allen, kind enough to join us. Wow. I mean, I think that was 16, 17, 18 minutes talking to one of the all-time greats. You like how he got Rookie of the Year in there? I mean, it's one of the greatest trophy cases in the history of sports. Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl 18 champ, Super Bowl MVP, NFL MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, NFL Comeback Player of the Year, six-time Pro Bowler, NFL Scoring Leader, and then you get to college. A national champion, the Heisman Trophy, the Maxwell Award. These are individual trophies in a case, everybody. The Walter Camp Award, Pac-10 Player of the Year, a unanimous All-American, and in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. He's a very special guy. He's humble. He takes care of a lot of people. He does a lot of favors for his friends, and he's got a fraternity of Hall of Famers that look up to him because of the way he mentors younger football players and Hall of Famers. We appreciate Marcus Allen joining us. You know, and when I talk to him, and I keep saying this about Marcus, when I get a chance to see him at the Raider Foundation event, and he's hitting balls, he comes up to me and say, hey, Marcus, jump in my slot here and hit a couple of balls. Thank you. Generous guy. See him at events. And the few times I've had a chance to hear him speak, uh, Marcus's agent, who's a good friend of mine, Jamie Fritz, who handles Rod Woodson and Ronnie Lott, and you know, 12, 13, Shannon Sharp, Fred Bolitnikoff, all these legendary Hall of Famers. I've been getting to know Marcus more. I had the first interview with Marcus the first one when he came back to light the torch in Oakland in memory of Al Davis. And that made a lot of news. That made a lot of news when he came back. And that was all Mark Davis. Mark Davis said that I'm going to bring Marcus back to the organization because they go back. They were friends in the 80s. That's, that's how you know Mark Davis. If you really want to know Mark Davis and you never met him and you want to speculate about him and you say this or that, Think of the relationships that Mark Davis has with George Atkinson, the late Cliff Branch, Marcus Allen. These guys would do anything for Mark, anything. And Mark put out the olive branch to Marcus 
and said, come on back. This is my team now, after Mr. Davis passed away. And Marcus is now embedded with the Raiders again. He was a tremendous Kansas City Chief, a legendary USC Trojan, great human being, philanthropist. But now he's back with the Raiders in Las Vegas. He, ha- he represents the LA Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, and he loves the organization and the team and this owner. So you're going to be seeing him around a little bit more. It's great to see. What a year. You know, I pinched myself this year because of what I've been able to see and what we've all been able to see. You know, unfortunately, the passing of John Madden, but we were brought behind the scenes with the Fox documentary and the goodbye to John Madden up in Oakland one final Monday night. Tom Flores got into Canton, Ohio. How beautiful was that? Cliff Branch got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Charles Woodson, our partner on this radio show, got inducted. Raider fans, let that sink in. In the last 12 to 16 months, what's happened around here? And the Raiders won 10 games and had some legendary moments at Allegiant Stadium. And we've covered it all. Vinny Bonsignor will join us live from the Combine when we come back on the flagship of the Raiders. Raiders.